November 10th, 2020. It has been a thousand years since our last recording. <laughs> Just about. <laughs> Welcome to another episode of the Games and Schools and Libraries podcast. I'm Donald Dennis, and you can hear me breathing through my mask here at the Wacomonic <laughs> Branch Library, where we are open for business, but uh, restricted access. We don't have all of our facility space open, but people can come in, check out books, check out games, et cetera, et cetera. And I'm here with... Chris Bell. Also at the library. That's correct. Pleasantly masked. Yes. My, that's a fancy mask you're wearing. It's all dicey. It is. So, um, yeah, big news. We've got... Several hundred games now available <laughs> for checkout at the library. We've been working on that this year. Absolutely. We have like maybe 15 or 20 available at the beginning of the year. Yeah, we've been uh, working on that pretty steadily. And we still have very full shelves of games not yet cataloged. Um, yeah, so. only a couple more months to go, years. Um. Yes. <laughs> So, uh, listeners, if you are circulating your games and you have a cataloging solution, let us know. We are putting everything into a Google Sheet, which we send over to our cataloging person, who then takes that information, works their magic, and eventually we get stickers back. Yes. So that we can start. Then we have to go back and do the process again to figure out which sticker goes where. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, so we also had several of our games that either came in damaged boxes or were damaged and we made some fancy boxes for them. And you'll see pictures of those in the show notes to this episode. Absolutely. They're all wood cut or laser cut. Thanks to our Glowforge. Our um, intern Max designed a box. I designed a couple. Chris uh, put together a really fancy Pensee box for us. That's right. Hooray, hooray. That's, that's a lot of fun. I love doing that kind of stuff. And now oh, yeah. it's sort of down to a a very simple art. It is. We know which website to go to. We kind of have our standard designs. The card boxes are the easiest. They're generally the same. The weird ones are like Jenga had a funky box. Right. Uh, Pente also had a weird box, but that's just because it was big. To be fair, I did the concept pieces for Pente as an art thing, and then I said, okay, I'm done with it, and handed it all to Chris, and he made it work. <laughs> <laughs> it only took a few revisions, a couple so. broken pieces. Yeah, so that's a lot of fun. Um, what else have we been doing? Oh, you've been running D&D for the library online. I have. I've been running it for three ten, ten months? Sessions. Two and a half months. Yeah, ten, section, 10 sessions. So about two and a half months. I've also been running a personal one, but also using the same resources. Right. So I've been doing 20-some sessions, all using Roll20.net. Indeed. Uh, because the friends bought us a year subscription to it. That's right. And the uh, Storm King's Thunder and uh, Curse of Stride campaigns on Roll20. Which you may have heard us talk about on a previous episode. But the yes. important thing is, is that I'm playing, and apparently it is my job in this game to be knocked to zero hit points and then swallowed. <laughs> I mean, I'm not saying it's never happened, but it's not happening as often as he says. We've been playing... Ten times it's happened at least three times. Right. Maybe so four. More than half the time you're fine. <laughs> <laughs> so it's a lot of fun because it sort of serves as a notice to the players that, oh, this is dangerous. Yes. Um, I'm playing the bard, right? Which means mm -hmm. they're not getting all the buffs. So when I die, the fight just got tougher for them. <laughs> yes. So there's a lot that happens when my character goes down to zero and then he gets brought back. It's interesting. So in person... I've not really had a problem with characters against holding back 
because I can see the players, I can gauge their reactions, I can realize when they feel it's harsh or too far and kind of dial it back. When you're online, you don't get that feedback. So I've kind of eased into it a little bit more than I'm used to. Right. And now I'm starting to get comfortable again with, you know, putting the difficulty where it's supposed to be. Yeah. Um, and I think the players are beginning to notice that it's not as easy anymore. And to be fair, Chris likes beating up on me. That, it's not you. <laughs> Look, when you run forward screaming at things, there are consequences. That almost is never what happens. Right. You just <laughs> sneak at their face instead. <laughs> I'm sure that our listeners are so thrilled to hear about our game experience. Um, uh, I, I would say one thing about the Storm Thing King's Thunder, the Storm Thing's Thunder, the Storm King's Thunder in particular, is if you're running a role-playing game and you don't want to roll with a uh, combat-focused campaign. I mean, all DD is kind of combat-focused. That's where all the skills yeah. point and all the spells point. But D but Storm King's Thunder in particular is very min-maxi, beady-up. It is. Swords. Even if you try to focus heavily on the diplomatic side, you still find a lot of the story elements are combat-focused. Right. Oh, one thing we did run into um, was that I... I just got kind of used to rolling. Saying, I'm going to try and sneak over here, rolling the dice and getting, you know, the benefit from that or the good penalty or the penalties for that. Right. It's like, Oh, okay, fine. You're going to be attacked and swallowed by a rim or Oz or what have you that, uh, that it didn't occur to me that there would be points where this is a non rolling situation. And so it took Chris a couple of times to get that through my head that not everything that you're doing can actually be resolved by dice because the games I run are a little more free-flowing, where it's like, well, okay, that's a thing that's happened. Let's play with that trope or this, mm -hmm. this weirdness. But because Chris has, what, a you know, one or 200-page scenario book that what happens on this page is going to affect possibly yeah. things down the road, he can't be, just by the very nature of the scenario, as free-flowing. So I think this is a great time to talk about that and kind of my experiences running... D&D stuff online, because I guess, you know, that's all the rage right now, doing everything online. Yep. Um, when you have a campaign for a role-playing game in a book, it's a little bit easier because you can flip through, find the overarching theme, and it's all in one book. It's all there. If you need to modify something, that's not terribly hard. On Roll20, everything is separated into a different window basically i mean it is organized beautifully so i can generally find anything i'm looking for pretty quickly but like donald said if something needs to modify i might not necessarily know where the second half of that story is i don't know exactly what town i need to look for what piece of the uh, you know the other half of the puzzle is so it's a lot more difficult for me to modify that and then later on the line when i finally find this section Yep. To remember, oh, this happened, I need to make these changes. Um, so it does restrict you a bit in that. Well, and there's some stuff that, you know, it just wouldn't make sense based on hidden information to change. Yeah, that's true. But that, that's true, you know, role-playing games in general. It is, but I don't usually run that way. <laughs> yeah, that's true. I mean, yes, you are correct. No, that is not the way I do things. No. So two different two different scenarios here. And if you are trying to do online gaming stuff like that, 
and you find um, you're having difficulties with like the technology, especially with some people who aren't familiar with it. I will say after 10 months, I don't feel that we have a limit on the technology anymore. Right. That, ten, that's, 10 sessions even, yeah. Or 10 sessions, not months, yes. Um, well, you've been doing both. <laughs> that's true. No longer are my players in some from every age group to teenager to retired, basically. Um, at this point, I mean, it took two or three sessions, but once people get comfortable with the technology, it's not a barrier anymore. They, everyone's generally comfortable with it. It's not a problem. So once you help people with that, I mean, it may start a little slow, but um, especially when you're doing it every week, it definitely does not become a problem long-term. Indeed. So uh, what else have we been doing gaming-wise? I think that the, the only real answer to that is twitch.tv slash shushcon. Yes, our Twitch streaming that we've been doing. Hooray! Um, I'm trying to think. I think we've been doing that for about three months as well. So we started that in September, at the beginning of September. September. Actually, at the end of August, we did our test runs, and then September, October, and into November. Yep. Yeah, so two and two to three months. Twice and, a week, yep. every Tuesday, Thursday. Now, we learned something, and Chris is our stats wonk, and he's the one who, who <laughs> figured this out. Yeah. That our, our Tuesdays, when we were doing all the Jackbox Party Pack stuff, which is not true. Technically, we're doing the Jackbox Party Pack stuff that works via Twitch. Yes. Which is a much smaller it's percentage about half. of them than works with, like, through Discord or something. That's true. Um, but uh, uh, we've recently decided that, well, Tuesdays are dead for Jackbox. Let's do something else. Mm-hmm. Um, it was something... At the beginning, it wasn't as apparent. Um, and especially, there's always that initial hype when you're trying something new. Um, but after about two months, I was looking back through the stats and you can see the chart of every day you've run and see, you know, day by day, how many viewers, how many subscribers, how many everything. And I just noticed Thursdays, great numbers. Um, we're maxing out the number of players we can play with and then some sometimes. Tuesdays, nothing. Yeah, we're struggling to get one or two players. Yeah. So... We decided to switch it up a little. And so we could have just stopped doing Tuesdays, but we thought we've already got our bosses trained <laughs> on uh, Tuesday is the day that we're doing things. Mm-hmm. And so what we did this last time is we said, hey, Gloomhaven's is still a really popular game. People are not able to play it in person as much as they used to because nobody's doing anything as much in person. Uh, let's do that for a while. And at the beginning of each session... We're going to talk about a couple of games that we have available for checkout, sort of tie it more into library stuff, and um, and have a little fun with it. And after we've done some Gloomhaven, if the numbers don't go up, then we'll pick another game, do that for a while. If the numbers don't go up, we'll keep switching out what we're doing. You know, we may even switch out which day, but for now, we're sticking with Tuesday, Thursday, probably through the end of the year. Yes. Um, and I will say, so it's definitely a different thing than what we're used to doing, to streaming, but... Um, it's definitely kind of the same community feel. Uh, you get different people, that's true, but we've kind of gotten to the point where we have a bit of a core community like we did with The Room once again, and it does feel like we're kind of, you know, playing games with our patrons once again. So that is kind of nice. It's different target, but still kind of the same experience, I guess is the best way to put it. Yep. 
And and we can, and we probably will, start letting getting people to join us for our campaign. Yes. Which could be a lot of fun if they're watching their computer and their screen enough and not paying attention through Twitch. <laughs> we can talk to them through Discord and pipe that all into Twitch. Absolutely. We're uh, looking at other options to expand, but right now we're still testing the waters, definitely. Now, another thing that happened with our Twitch stream is that we were raided last week. That's true. In the good way. <laughs> yes. Uh, That's a raid, Chris. It's when a, uh, a Twitch viewer um, basically drags all their viewers into someone else's stream. Um, quite literally, actually. Um, his stream simply just starts redirecting everybody in their in said stream into yours. It just pipes them all in there. And uh, so that was kind of cool. We got a little boost from that, and people said hi. And it was... Twitch definitely is a new community, but I mean, it's definitely a community. That's for sure. That is yeah. the correct word for it. Um, so it was kind of interesting because we had someone from overseas join us and said, could you turn off US centric content, which we were <laughs> great to do. That was, that was neat. Yeah. Um, and then uh, we were playing some games where you would fill in answers and I would turn to Chris and say, based on these answers, the two people who submitted this were not from our stream. <laughs> and every time we were right, Chris and I nailed those because you sort of get to know who's in your group. You build that you know, little community with your people as opposed to the overall, you know, folks who use Twitch. Oh, yeah. So, so and um, we have had positive comments from the people uh, watching and playing with us, too, um, especially those who don't have the opportunity to go out anymore or nearly as much. Yeah. So... It's good that we're able to give them something to do again. I mean, we've even had parents of people who've been in the library before COVID come in and ask, you know, are we going to be able to do things again? Because we want the room back. <laughs> yeah. And so the room is getting better. It was, it was pristine for a while. <laughs> and then it's quickly devolved back into, oh my gosh, we're running the laser cutter. Yes. Um, <laughs> And uh, so now it's it's in mid-cycle is what I'm going to say. Absolutely. That's <laughs> the best way to say it. <laughs> True or not. <laughs> yeah. um, so it's neat. One of the things we've done with our uh, board games that we were talking about circulating earlier, I want to cycle back to that because I see one sitting here on a chair. Fair enough. Is that uh, we've set them up for automatic renewal so that they can renew up to three times. And I've told them that uh, until we start getting people... Um, you know, waiting on games and reserving them mm -hmm. that we should do that. We should, that way we'll get more different games in circulation. It'll help our numbers. Absolutely. Trying to make it easier initially for people to get their hands on them. And, and I've also said, let's do it um, with uh, no fines. I mean, there are fines that will be there. So if someone doesn't bring, bring it back, they'll be fined for it. But if uh, they bring it back and it's a few days late and it hasn't renewed for whatever reason, then they can just dismiss those fines. Yes. You know, so that's what I'm looking for is ease of use, you know, lots of, lots of love for the games. Absolutely. So speaking of which, you probably need to re-renew the Curse of Strahd. Oh, it's probably super overdue at this point. <laughs> um, I have had that for a little while. <laughs> yeah. For a hot minute. Um, so... That's it. If any of you, we've heard that there are some folks out there with streams. Uh, I think most of the Twitch streams that have uh, done anything for libraries, 
for any depth have been college Twitch streams, college libraries? Um, I've only found like two libraries streaming. Uh, one of them was a public library though. And so, and yeah, there are a few and, and over on the League of Librarian Gamers group on Facebook, there were a couple of folks talking about it. Mm-hmm. But I haven't seen anyone do as much as we've done with as much frequency. I think a lot have. of groups are scared to brand their library with it, and so it's more the individuals. And that's why we have used Shashcon. That's true. So uh, we'll see how that carries on. Our, mm-hmm. our, oh, our library director, not our branch manager, but our library director got very insistent that we take off our specific library branding and make it for the entire library system. That is true. So now it does that. <laughs> yeah. Um, other events of note. Yes. Um, the new gaming consoles are out. The Xbox Series X and the PS5. Ooh. Not to be confused with the Xbox One X and S because <laughs> naming. Um and I don't know, we could talk about it now, but we also have a blog post detailing some of the specifics about both of those consoles, their pros and cons. And um, I think I'm going to have another one coming up talking about the digital sides of them and the gaming and such like that. Right. This one seems mostly about hardware stuff, right? Yes. And the hardware, the technicality, the future proofing for storage solutions, things like that. And then the next one will be more about the game services. And, and things along yes, those lines. Yes, as those get fleshed out, because as we know, um, promises, promises, but what actually comes out may not be the same. Well, I'll tell you this, that there's a lot of stuff to love and hate about everything Microsoft does um, <laughs> in the gaming space. Um, but their Game Pass is one of the best values in gaming. It is, and that's where it's kind of a wait and see with PS5, because they've promised responses still waiting to see all the details on that absolutely um and sony's has always been kind of middle of the road and poor nintendo their online (laughs) stuff has always kind of sucked yeah you notice we haven't mentioned them um so i mean they've done a little better with the switch maybe maybe but i don't have a switch to sing its praises let's say that how about that (laughs) yes Right. Different crowd. Yeah, different, different, different. That's the core of what we're doing here at the library. Um, if, if you followed us over the summer, you may have seen a bunch of our pictures of the giant sea mobiles that we did for people to you know, paint up the fish and hang them from the waves and mm-hmm. hang them in their windows and stuff like that. And they have sold over 25 of them through the Friends of the Library at 20 bucks a piece. So yeah. they, uh, they love that. It's, it's 20 bucks or 25 bucks a piece. I, don't, I think it's $20. I have no idea. I just knew we did it as an activity, and then they wanted to sell it later. I know that theoretically they're selling them for about $15 profit each. Yeah. So that's, that's not horrible because they're buying the wood. They didn't buy the laser, but when it comes time to replace the laser, we'll talk to them. Yeah. <laughs> that's for sure. And... Our children's librarian uh, usually does a gingerbread house, but instead of gingerbread, she uses graham crackers because those are easier to come by. Yes. But this year, they're not having a bunch of kids into the library, so we're laser cutting a bunch of gingerbread houses that Chris designed. Out of wood. Out of wood. We're laser cut. Yes. We're not laser cutting ginger. (laughs) 
Words are hard, Chris. That would be an experiment, um, but <laughs> I'm not sure that would be tasty. So I, I have been told, do not use our laser cutter now that it has been used for like acrylic for food products. Yeah. Seems like good advice. <laughs> yes. And honestly, with the amount of smoke that uh, you get when you just open the doors on that thing, that may be good advice anyway. <laughs> um, but yes, yeah, so we've been laser cutting these houses and they're designed for kids to put together with tabs. So we're trying to make use of all of our resources here, uh, especially while we don't have kids in the room anymore. And Donald's walking over with something fancy to talk about, it seems. Right. Well, I, it's three decks of cards. I don't know how fancy it is. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, so as long as we're here, let's talk about one of the games that is going into our circulating collection that the friends of the library paid for, <laughs> not donated by anyone, um, is Unlock Epic Adventures. Yes. We yeah. do love the Unlock series. We do. Now... Some of the earlier ones, they didn't do a great job at making sure you don't add up random numbers and get the wrong results from the cards. That's true. Um, because what is the Unlock series, Chris? Um, it's a escape room deck game. Um, unlike some of them, it is reusable, but you do need some kind of smartphone or tablet to play it. Though in today's day and age, that's not a huge barrier to entry. Not for many people. Yeah. Um, and so the historically they've released them as a single deck in a single box though with the last two series they've released them as three decks in a big box um, well and i think overseas they did a lot more of that um did they oh, yeah. but yeah here in the u.s they've they've usually done the smaller ones and so uh we play through them they're about an hour to an hour and a half depending on which deck you have and its difficulty rating boilers yes exactly um, well, it's not spoilers. That's how long the timer gives you when you push the button. <laughs> Sometimes that number changes. <laughs> um, I think it's written on the box as well. So, um, right. I want to check here real quick and just see how much we talked about this. If we've talked about this on the previous episode. Uh, well, we definitely didn't play it then. So who knows? Um, all right. Well then that's fine. So. Let's talk about it then. Actually, uh, we may have played two of them. So in this one, there are three games. The Seventh Screening, The Dragon 7 Test, and Mission 007. Maybe this is the seventh set of these that they've come up with since they're using that seven as is the theme. Pro that is honestly the first time I've realized they're all called seven. Yep. So. <laughs> oh, did you hear the new 007 is not going to be a guy? Did not. <laughs> well, anyway, that's a different <laughs> podcast, I'm sure. Uh, it looks really cool. The unfortunate person was chased off the internet. Oh, boy. Who's going to be playing her? All right. So, anyway, the seventh screening is you are going to a black and white film, and you are just trying to basically get the film in order, and, or figure out what happens over the course of the film, rather. Yeah. And it was weird. It was interesting. Um, out of the box, I think it was my least favorite of them. I didn't mind it too much. But I liked it. I mean, it was fun. Uh, and so it was pretty neat. They used some of the AR stuff. Uh, they, of course, used the app. Yes. Their hint system is not my favorite. 
But since they don't end the game when the timer runs out, you can still keep playing. It's not that big of a deal. True. It does affect your score. So it's neat. They play with a theme. They play with black and white. They play with color. They play with a bunch of different elements. And so that's cool. The second one is the set, uh, the Dragon's Seven Tests. This is the one that I would say was my least favorite. I liked it. Uh, some of the puzzles frustrated me. Well, yeah. That's, that's the puzzle's job. They want to frustrate, frustrate you just so much, though, and no more. Yes, I think this one did a good job of going a little beyond <laughs> with just a handful of the puzzles. Um, and that may just be me. I just couldn't figure them out. Yeah, yeah. Um, I thought the theme was neat. The theme was great, though. I thought the use of the AR was pretty cool. It was. And uh, the puzzles were cool. So the problem with the, these escape room games is we can talk about the mechanisms that they use in general, but not in specific that's true. Um, and so I, I thought it was pretty neat. I think maybe one of the problems with the first one is the person that we were playing with was our intern who had never done any escape stuff before. That's true. So it was a bit more difficult for him to connect some of the dots. And that can sort of have a frustrating effect. That's true. Now, um, the Dragon 7 test by that time, we were sort of schooling along. And, and I felt we more knew what we were doing. But still, we... We had a tougher time completing in time than, than we've done on some previous ones. That's true. Now, the last one, Mission 07, uh, is a spy-themed one where mm-hmm. you are trying to find the person who is betraying your spy organization, and the puzzles are kind of weird and contextual, and you get to reuse some of the tools a little bit. Um, and I, I thought it was pretty neat. Uh, yeah, mechanically, I think that's one was the most fun. Um, just using the tools at your disposal. Now, I afterwards, I, I looked online, and there was one of the cards returned the wrong image when you scanned it with your scanner. Really? Yes. Not ours. Not when we played through. We didn't have that issue. So hmm. just be aware that... They may have updated it. Yeah, they may have updated it or, or whatever. So make sure you update your app before you play it. I thought I thought they did a great job at playing with some of the elements. Um, it didn't. Once again, I think I overthought something really hard at one point, and then I was like, "Okay, fine. If you want me to quit looking to see if this is wrong, I'll do it." You know, like solve the thing and quit screwing around, and then boom, 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 instantly solve three <laughs> yeah. puzzles. Yeah, and I was like, "Okay, I helped." Yeah, so it's like <laughs> stop assuming that it's wrong and just think for five seconds. <laughs> And that, suddenly it worked. Who knew? <laughs> yes, who, who could have figured? So um, that's, that's where we were. Um, I love, I think these great big box sets are excellent for circulation because while I'd rather have the numbers for circulating three different games over the mm-hmm. time, having a box of these for someone to take home and have three game experiences that they can get out of one box is much more valuable. So one reason we do love this, and we may have touched on this many times, is the Unlock series are really easy to clean up, really easy to run through, don't make a huge mess, and they are infinitely reusable. So You don't have to ch- chop up anything or Yeah, or they work great for collections where you're going to be replaying games a bunch, such as libraries. I have to say, though, the last puzzle of the last scenario... You could feel the graphic designer feeling incredibly smug <laughs> somewhere in the world about, look what I did, neener, neener, neener. Oh, yeah. There is some fun there. <laughs> so that was cool. All right. um, 
Yeah, so that's it. Uh, let us know if you have any favorite games that you're either bringing into your collection at the library or your school, or if uh, there's anything you want us to talk about. Yeah, and uh, so I hope you enjoyed this somewhat scatterbrained podcast, but that's kind of how we've been running the room recently. <laughs> exactly. Also, head on over to twitch.tv slash shushcon. S-H-U-S-H-C-O-N. Shushcon. <laughs> and give us a follow and hit the bell for notifications. However you're supposed to do it. You know what I mean. If you go to Twitch, it's obvious. Because <laughs> I see Chris squinting at me. Is, is Donald using the right words? I, the problem is I don't know. Um. <laughs> and, uh, and yeah, even if you can just follow and, and listen along sometimes, you might have some fun, find some games that are good for your school or library activities. Absolutely. All right. Well, I'm Donald Dennis. I'm Chris Bell. And you've been listening to... Games in Schools and Libraries. Well, thank you for listening to this episode of the Games in Schools and Libraries podcast. You can find out more about us and the people who create this show over at InverseGenius.com and all of our other wonderful, wonderful shows, including on board games, on RPGs, the Inverse Genius podcast, and the Room Escape Divas. We are also now joined by the Party Gamecast and Nephilop, who you might remember as Stephanie, previous co-host here on the Games in Schools and Libraries podcast, and our friend Lynn Theory. Thank you for listening. Games in Schools and Libraries is produced in association with the Georgetown County Library System.